Not everyone can pull that off. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. How are you? Um, I'm going to just be really upfront and honest with you this morning. Is that okay? This uh, sermon was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> really, really major because we're in Luke 6. If you have your Bibles, Luke 6 is gigantic. <laughs> gigantic. You will, uh, let me tell you what's in it, and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember those things. So first of all, Beatitudes, which we covered last week and Kurt explained, they're not Beatitudes at all, right? Um, and then, uh, woes. So first of all, he pronounces blessings, and then he pronounces woes. I'm not doing those today. <laughs> I passed right on by that. Um, then, uh, love your enemies is the next section. Then, um, a section on judging others. Then, um, uh, speck and log in the eye. Remember that part? Then, a tree and its fruit. So what kind of tree bears good fruit and bad fruit? Then, um, out of the mouth... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? We quote that a lot. And then uh, building your house on a firm foundation on the rock or not, and the rain came tumbling down. That's a big chapter. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, and it's hard stuff. It's not easy. Some of the stuff Jesus says to do is easy, some stuff is hard, <laughs> and today we're looking at some hard stuff. So, um, I just like last week, remember Kurt said that he didn't feel ready to commit to being able to live it out? <laughs> Same place. I am not sure that I am ready to even say it today, um, because it's hard stuff. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to try not to laugh awkwardly the whole time, but I tend to do that when I feel uncomfortable. And, um, and the passage that we're digging into today makes me extremely uncomfortable. And how's that for an opener? Are you excited? Oh, boy. Well, it's okay. Um, so <laughs> we'll start out with some fun. How about that? Just to like, before we dive in. Does that seem okay to you? So, um, do you guys know my husband, Josh? Right there. He's really awesome. And, you know, I like to show fun photos of him. It's been a while, so it's been probably a year since I showed a fun photo of Josh. So, um, uh, fun fact about Josh, I guess, <laughs> is um, Josh was a football star. Did anyone know that? Fun fact, right? We, is this your senior photo? Senior year? So cute. I might have liked you in high school. I'm just saying, that's pretty cute. Um, I don't know which way this goes. So. so when I asked him, I actually, he didn't know that I did this yesterday, but I went through the scrapbook his mum made for him of his football career. And so I took photos of a bunch of photos and, and asked him which photo represents your career best. And this is the one he chose. Why? Because he said, I'm actually running in this photo. 
um, because the rest of the photos that I want to show you, so that's his butt with his name, his mum wrote his name across it so he could remember that that's him. <laughs> you bet Josh's mum, right? She's so awesome. Just in case you forget, I just totally knocked over a full cup of water. I don't know if anyone cares, but the stage is flooded now. Um, yes, I do need more, yes. <laughs> um, so Josh, again, is the butt. Do you see? You can't actually see the top half of him. Um, because this is what he's good at, taking people down. And I know some of you have experienced that personally. Haven't, who, who has actually been taken down by Josh? <laughs> yeah, quite a few. Uh, wrestling is his love language. I learned that early on. <laughs> actually, uh, he worked at a children's prison. When we were first married, he was working at a children's prison, and he was um, on counseling staff there, and they also are um, trained in um, DR, dealing with defensive tactics, right? They would all wear panic alarms up there, so if they get, in, I mean, it, children's prison is scarier than you would expect, okay? <laughs> so um, I asked him, how was your day, you know, his training day? And before I knew it, my face is in the carpet and his knee is on my head. And I was like, I was asking. Like, I'd, I didn't need you to show me. He learned fast. That's not how to woo his wife. Anyway. Um, so this, again, is Josh running. Thanks, Jesse. That's him, number 30, out in front. And this, the caption underneath says, um, Josh Morris has rushed for more than 1,000 yards this season. So he's a football star. And what, your senior year, you were, your school was 10th in state. Is that what you said? And you went to, like, you were chosen for staff. And he was just a really... I mean, he's a football player, okay? So. <laughs> if you uh, know Josh, he is an all-in or not at all kind of guy. I mean, really. He's going to be all-in or he's just not interested. Um, and I love that about him. It's hard to motivate him to do something he doesn't want to do, however. <laughs> so uh, I've, I just don't try. It's not my job. But... When he's into it, he is way into it. Um, so I was really disappointed in my man. When we were in South Africa, he had an opportunity to play rugby with a semi-pro team. And he said no. This football star said no. And my respect went down a little. No pads. No pads. He was petrified. Petrified. And I found this little meme that I thought would sum it up real well. I'm not anxious. I'm just extremely well-educated about all the things that could go catastrophically <laughs> wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. Rugby is a real football. I mean, a different kind of football. By the way, Rugby Sevens is going to be in the Olympics this year, and Josh's cousin is on the women's team. So I'm pretty excited about that. So maybe you two will fall in love with rugby. Um, anyway, we, surprisingly, have a very weird dynamic in our household 
in that it's football season and there are no football games on our TV ever. If there's a football t a game on our TV, I'm the one that turned it on. Is that odd? Yeah. Josh, <laughs> why don't you like watching football? He wants to play, not watch. He doesn't want to watch. He could care less. He wants to run. He wants to sack, tackle, rush, right? Sums it up. We are in our, um, in our Empowered series, and I just wonder if you like to play or watch. And if you are a watcher, I wonder if this is why. Because we are really aware of everything that could go catastrophically wrong when we step out and ask the Holy Spirit to do something. Because rugby is scary, and so is praying for someone. Yeah. I found that Luke is a lot like the book of Exodus, and here's what I want to uh, explain it. Um, God's people were in captivity for about 600 years, and they were in slavery, and God came to redeem them, right? Miracles. He did miracles, and a people who had forgotten what their God looked like, sounded like, forgotten how he moved, remembered, because they saw him move again. And then he pulls them out, he rescues them. More miracles to get them out. And then they're free and perfect, the end. No, they head into the wilderness and they learn some really hard lessons. And they say, I miss the cucumbers and fish of Egypt because manna is bland and boring and the lessons were hard. Um, but what I feel the story of Exodus is saying, it's God saying, you are my people, but you're not living like you are. You're living like Egyptians. You're living these old ways and you can't experience the fullness of who I am as long as these behaviors keep you living that way. Does that make sense? We see the same thing in Luke. People, God's people, have been living in a period where God hasn't really been moving between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And he's come to save them. And here's Jesus, miracle, 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 to establish his authority. They're, they're being pulled out. And what I see in Luke 6, after all these miracles have happened, I see Luke 6 is just as the Hebrews had in the wilderness. We are getting lessons of, you are my people, but you're not living that way. You don't look like me. You're living like them. So we're going to look at Luke 6. And uh, Kurt's praying about what to do next week. He's not sure yet. 
Um, if he does not continue in Luke 6, I would love to encourage you and myself, <laughs> self, listen to this, um, dig into Luke 6 before the Lord and ask him more about it. It's, I mean, there's so much in there. We're going to touch on tiny little thing today. That's going to be an example for other things, but really, Luke 6 is meaty. Um, and like I said, I'm not sure I can live this out. But I want to be like Josh in football, where I play wholeheartedly, and I don't want to be like Josh in rugby, where I don't want to play. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, now I'm not going to pick on Josh because I don't play football at all. So <laughs> I want to play, not watch. Yeah? I want to know what's keeping me back. If it's anxiety and fear because of everything I know, I want to let go of that. I don't want to live the way the world lives and not step into the things that God has for me. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Seem good? All right. Um, Eric Lee is going to pray for the sermon. Thank you, Eric. Great guy. What else can we say? Hikes. <laughs> Doesn't play football. Has a great family. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, God, I am just so excited about what you are doing here in our church, uh, bringing so many people up to, to speak uh, so that we can hear your words not just from one angle, but from a whole bunch of different angles. And it just, it really, really excites me. God, I pray that you would bless Justine this morning. I know she has wrestled with this a lot this week. Um, I pray that you would honor her, um, her heart and her desire to get things right. I pray that as she speaks this morning, you would reveal that master picture. Uh, all the pieces would fall into place. And that she would speak your word that is a revelation. Thank you, God. Uh, God, I also, I pray for my friend uh, Dion and, and his church community in Orlando, Florida, as they're exploring what it means uh, to be a church and setting off to do some experiments in home churching. I pray that you would bless them and lift them up and give them the desire of, of their hearts as well. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you, Eric. What I see in the world um, are pockets of beautiful intersections. Somebody's need, our amazing God, and this intersection when he meets their needs. And you know what's in the middle of that moment? The body of Christ. And if I were to describe what empowerment of the Holy Spirit is, it would be to be that touch point in that beautiful intersection. Does that make sense? For some reason, God wants to do it this way. <laughs> I think he's nuts. I mean, wouldn't it be easier if he didn't use flawed, fearful people? Wouldn't it? And yet he knows. He knows that this is a good plan. That we get to be in this beautiful intersection Great need, great God, and there we are. And if we didn't have that great need ourselves, we got to see how painful it is. And we got to see how great God is in meeting that need without having walked through it ourselves. It's such a gift, really, you know? 
beautiful intersections. And as I prayed about Luke 6, I felt like God said, you are not stepping into them. I'm lining them up and you're not stepping into them. So, we're going to talk about four um, things that I think are holding us back. Uh, beliefs, almost. A couple of weeks ago, Kevin shared about um, sin and sinfulness and whether that holds us back. And no, <laughs> God will use anyone. Sin and all. What a good God. <laughs> right? So today we're not talking about sin. Okay? We're talking about beliefs. There are things inside of us that I think we have because we've been living in modern Egypt. <laughs> we've been living with worldliness and I think we've just adopted them into our hearts. And then I think it shapes how we interact um, on a real subconscious level. Okay? So here's the picture that I felt um, God gave me as I was praying about this. There was a turtle, a river turtle, um, swimming, and um, he's on one side of the river, and he's getting to a new place, this new, different place, and as he approached it, there's this narrow pass-through that he needs to pass through to get to this new place. Old, new, and a pass-through. And as he swam up to the pass-through, he hit up against it because his shell was too big. And I felt that the answer was that he needed to rip out of his shell and leave it behind. It's the only way he would fit through to get into this new place. But turtles can't live without shells. <laughs> you, it, it's their defense, it's their home, it's their everything. They can't be without their shells. And I felt like God said, I am your shell. You have created a shell that is keeping you from my presence, keeping you from being in that intersection point and being empowered. And what I feel like Luke 6 is pointing to is our shell, this shell, this fortress that we've created. And I want to tell you mine is made of really good stuff. Wisdom, education, experiences, um, common sense, and then um, some not great stuff, judgment, um, uh, arrogance, pride and shame. My shell has many layers. <laughs> I wonder what your shell has. What is it that's keeping you from passing through into those beautiful intersections. Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you'll know God's perfect will. I feel like that's talking about ripping off your turtle shell and getting to a place where you can know God more. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, throw off your old nature and display a nature like God. Again, I think that's about our turtle shell. So I went digging for those scriptures because I'm like, 
that turtle shell thing is weird and I, I don't think that's you, God, and I just want to make sure. And then I started looking through the word and I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty true. We are to throw off the old and we are a part of that activity. We are saved. This is not about salvation. I don't think that Luke 6 is a list of things for how you can be saved. Right? We are saved because of Jesus. Done and done, done, done. Okay? This is about our joy of living, our freedom, how much we reflect God. That's, that's a whole other thing. That's our sanctification process, right? We're becoming more like God. Ah, I said this wasn't very funny or fun, did I? So, the word empowered, I think we have some baggage. I have baggage, and maybe you do too. In our worldly understanding of empowered, would you, uh, if I said to you, I'm going to empower you to complete that task. What does that mean about you? Are you trustworthy? I've, I've selected you. Okay? So somebody who is empowered is trustworthy, um, probably has a good history track record. Um, you know that they're a valuable employee, so you can empower them to do something, right? Um, you're going to trust them to represent you when you're not there, right? So empowerment is about, I'm going to give you a task. I'm walking away from it. You are responsible. I trust you. Do the right thing. Get it done. I'm empowering you. Would you say that's a fair definition of empowerment as we understand it culturally? Um, so when we talk about empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it is the opposite of everything <laughs> that I just said. You are not trustworthy. <laughs> you do not have a good track record. Even if you do have a good track record, it's really quite sucky. I mean, let's just... <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things, God doesn't empower you because you're good enough. Right? He doesn't empower you because you've done the right things enough times that now I trust you. And definitely, it is not about God walking away and you completing a task on your own in his empowerment. Right? Empowerment in the Holy Spirit is about a deeper relationship than before. Right? I mean, I just think... As we're going through this Empowered series, our definition of empowerment is going to create a shell around what, uh, how we walk this out. What do you think? God wants to empower you, and that means never leave you. He was never going to anyway. <laughs> And it means he's going to ask you to do things you can't do on your own. That you're not good enough to do, that you're not experienced enough to do. That It's not empowerment as we think it. Okay? Can we tear that layer of our shell off and throw it, like, way away? Because I think if you think that you need to be good enough, then you either will have shame or pride when you're stepping into the things God asks you to do. And either way, debilitating. So, we want to peel this off. P.S. John 15. 
God says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me. You cannot bear fruit detached from me. All right. <laughs> oh, man. I think this one's a kicker for me. Um, God will not give you anything more than you can handle. True or false? It's true. On some level, it's true. Who said false? I wish we had cute cards right now. True, false. I actually think both is true. I think it's true and false. Here's where I think it's become a shell for us. That's bigger than I can handle. I'm not called into it. God won't ask me to be more uncomfortable. Like, God won't ask me to talk to people I don't know or like. <laughs> God won't give me anything more than I can handle, and I can't handle that. Obviously, it's a calling for someone else. If only they would obey the Lord. Where are those people that he's called? <laughs> so I think on one hand, God will never give you anything more than you can handle because he's with you and he can handle it all. Truth, right? False is that you ever get to say no, that's more than I can handle. God will give you more than you can handle every single day. Every day. Otherwise, you don't need him. Otherwise, the answer that you give is handled. I got this handled. Well, you just need to love Jesus more. See, I handled that. And then you've given a human answer based in pride or shame, whatever you roll with. And they didn't meet a very big God and neither did you. Scary. <laughs> Is that not scary? Can I read you a really scary passage? Oh man, this is awful. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope, and he will deliver us again. <laughs> More than they could handle, to the point that they wished they were dead. And then they met the God of resurrection power. That makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> I like my turtle shell. <laughs> I would like to walk away from that. Also, 2 Corinthians 12 his power in my weakness. Yet I am weak, he is strong. Okay? So again, let's peel that layer off. Can we throw it over there? I feel like I'm throwing like a sheet, like a little wispy sheet of turtle shell. It's probably a big chunk. There's probably blood on it. Okay. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to be really ugly with me. Is that okay? Because everything that comes out of my mouth right now, I don't actually believe. I'm just, I want to be, I want to take the worst part of me and I want to show that to you right now. And, and there are really great parts about me some days. 
Um, but right now, is that okay if we just talk about the ugly? Okay. Who does God help? Who does God help? Who does he want to do miracles for? The humble? Anyone who needs it? People who are willing? You have to be a little louder. Those who trust? Now, everybody, these are truths that you're saying. They're also a shell. Can I be honest about my shell about this? People who are willing, people who are repentant, people who want to change, people who deserve it, people who are getting their act together, people who are grateful, and all the other people that don't fit in that, that little list, God does not want to help them. Well, that's a lie. Who does God want to help? Everyone. And who the heck are we to say who gets help and who doesn't? That is ugly. That is so ugly. So we're bashing up against this entryway into understanding more about God and what's keeping us back judgment and prejudice and categorizations well I would help that person but they don't meet the criteria of who God wants to help all right Luke 6 are you ready (laughs) are you mad with me are we okay okay you're very quiet are you okay (laughs) so far All right, Luke 6, we're going to start in 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. More than you can handle? Bless those who curse you. That word bless actually means um, honor, speak well of, add value to their lives. More than I can handle? Uh, Pray for those who abuse you. What? Yeah, I'll pray for them to go to hell. That is more than I can handle. Is that more than you can handle? I don't like it. I think Jesus might be mistaken. Um, To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. I've never been slapped in the face. Fairly sure if it happened, I will punch, not turn. I just think my reflex will be, I'm just (laughs) I'm not a hitter. I don't know why. But I'd like to, I'm just going to imagine, right? Imagine yourself in that scenario. Has anyone been hit in the face before? No way. Was your reflex to lean in for a second? I have a problem with this. I have a problem with what Jesus is saying. If he's asking me to to be a doormat, I'm not interested. Do you know what I mean? Okay. 
And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Uh, one of the, the uh, translations, I, I read this like in all the translations this week, and one of them says, for one who takes your robe, give him your underwear also. I was like, what? <laughs> like on the street when it happens? Like, I don't, that's crazy. <laughs> it's just saying, don't hold on to anything. Give it all, give it all to the one who took it from you. I don't like it. <laughs> give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. <laughs> uh, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Well, I like the last one. I'm down with the golden rule for people who are nice that I like. I'll treat them well. I don't want to interact with these other people, so we're good. I won't treat them anyway, and, I won't, and they won't interact in my life. Perfect. <laughs> so it goes on and on and on, okay? The next passage of Luke 6 says, For if you just love people who love you back, what good are you? Sinners even do that. Loving people who love you back, nothing. It's not worth anything challenging <laughs> but this really stood out to me give to everyone who begs from you so this is where we're going to sit today because Jesus needs some training I've volunteered with eight organizations in seven countries in the world dozens of organizations they all say the same thing do not give to people who beg word who else has received that information? So Jesus needs to do some modern training. I mean, clearly back then there probably weren't as many beggars, right? Well, they didn't have the kind of alcohol and drug dependency that we have now. I mean, back then everyone kind of loved God in their hearts. Everyone. I mean, they were Jews. No? No. Problem. I have a big problem with this because the other stuff, I've never had a coat stolen. I've never been slapped in the face. So these, those other ones are kind of like offensive. But this one, I actually have some skin in the game. <laughs> and I'm not down. So <laughs> You know Extreme Home Makeover? They choose like really deserving people. And don't you just go, oh, they just deserve it so much. Total shell. We just love that turtle shell. Don't we just love to give people who are grateful? Oh, oh. It's just clearly better than giving to someone who is ungrateful. I mean, I'm being a good steward. I mean, I wouldn't want to give God's money that he's given me to anyone who would not use it the right way. I'm being a good steward. Turtle shell. <laughs> so Luke 6 has kind of messed me up a little bit. <laughs> Honestly, I want to be like, for reals, Jesus, straight up, you do not give to everyone who begs. You need to get a bit streetwise. <laughs> this is not okay. It's not okay. So why would he ask us to do this? <sighs> this is the end of Luke 6, the passage that we're dealing with. Love your enemies. This is a summary. Love your enemies. Oh, I didn't. There we go. Love your enemies and do good. That means like um, things of, of valor, like, like injecting goodness all around you, okay? Um, virtuous. 
and lend expecting, expecting nothing in return. Um, there's a whole passage about that in the previous part. It makes me laugh. He says, do not lend expecting to get anything back. Even sinners can lend expecting to get the same amount back. Well, Jesus, <laughs> it's not called lending if you don't get it back. <laughs> he didn't even mention interest either. He just mentioned like the same amount back. Do not lend expecting anything to get back. Do you know what he's saying? Stop lending. Give. Stop your strings attached, turtle-shelled life. Out. Okay. And your reward will be great. What kind of reward? Certainly not interest on lending. What kind of reward? Really? There's a reward? You will be sons of the Most High. Our reward is transformation back to our original design. No longer bound by the ways of Egypt, the ways of this world, but living in a way where we look like God. Where people look and go, sons of the Most High. Wow. Oh, God must be your dad. You look just like him. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Guess what? God gives to the ungrateful. What? <laughs> you don't have to be clean and sober and grateful to get a gift from God? My turtle shell doesn't like it. <laughs> what do you think about those words? Is it messing with you a little bit? Okay. On a scale, what's worse? The carnage of doing something or the carnage of not doing something. So if you're faced with a choice, what's worse? Worse, doing it and you should not have, or not doing it and you should have. Which one? Which one? Oh. Which one? What's worse? Doing it and you should not have, and there's all kinds of ripple effect consequences because you should not have done that. Not doing it and you should have. Ah, but there's not like a, I don't know, little ripples. I like to sit on this one, <laughs> sin of omission. I'm way more comfortable with, well, I didn't do it, and nothing bad happened. It goes back to our funny meme, I'm not anxious, I just know what all the bad that could happen. This is one of the reasons why I, I actually preach. It's <laughs> Kurt really challenged me. He said, you're going to disregard most of the Bible because of three verses that seem to be at odds about women not preaching. And you're going to disregard everything else and you're going to say, well, I don't actually know the answer. So I would rather stand before the throne of God and say, I didn't do it because I wasn't sure I should unless people are offended. Unless, like it's better that I don't because you can use anyone. You can use anyone but me. And see, little old me, I didn't do anything bad. I just sat and I didn't do it. Yay me. I would much rather do that than say, well, yeah, I did it, God. And oh, you didn't want me to. And now hundreds of people or like angry and hate God because a woman preached. Like I just, <laughs> I really had this like weird and I wanted to sit over here forever and never have to face up to it. 
And then the parable of the ta talents did a number on me, man. Because I took my talent and I buried it because I know that you are a fearful master. And I was afraid of what you would do to me. So I just hid it away. And what did he say? You are evil. You are evil. You hid it away because of your fear? You can't be a part of my kingdom if you operate that way. I want to be more afraid of God than anything else. I want to be more afraid of God than failing. I want to be more afraid of God. I want to get rid of that turtle shell. Because nothing I've built to protect myself is equal to the protection of him. All right. I'm going to tell you about my really bad day. I told you I was going to be super ugly. Here it goes. P.S. The next part of Luke 6 says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. So before I launch into this, judge not. <laughs> okay? I had a really bad day last week, guys. It was so bad. Ugh. Um, and actually, I talked to Kurt about it, because I knew I wanted to use this story today, and I wanted to share it with you, but as I told him about it, he's like, you need to pray about this more, because your attitude is bad. And I was like, I know. It was my worst day ever. <laughs> it was bad. Here's how it went down. I'd been reading Luke 6, give to everyone who begs, give to everyone who asks, okay? I'd been reading that. I'd been sitting on it, okay? I knew I wanted to jump into the intersections of God's power and people's needs. I knew that, right? So I had this all in my brain. I have to go to my doctor, to my OB, for um, a cancer biopsy. It was so exciting. And, um, and I was very afraid that I had cancer. And, um, you know, anyone else that's been for a, a biopsy for cancer knows that you really can't sleep the night before. Not like it's going to help you. <laughs> And then you have to wait till the test results come back. It's just agony. Um, and then they called, I do not have cancer. That's awesome, right? Yeah, awesome, right? Um, God is good no matter what. Still, fear was my master, okay? So I'm praying about it, and I felt like God said, it's not about you. Okay, but it's cancer. <laughs> Why, why can't it be about me? So anyway, I got my attitude right and I drove to the doctor and I was so excited because it's not about me. So clearly God was sending me to minister to my doctor, right? So jazzed, so excited. I'm going to step in, I'm stripping off my turtle shell of fear and I'm going to like dive right in, right? And I go and we chat and it's lovely and it, you know, we do all this stuff and then he walks out and he's gone and I'm like, Wait, there was supposed to be a God moment? <laughs> like, where did I miss it? Did I not see it? No, I didn't see it. it. It didn't happen. I'm just telling you there was no God moment, okay? I was so excited. Now I'm disappointed. And now the adrenaline letdown of the whole cancer, blah, 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 then I was just like rock bottom. Felt that way. So I have like physical, like biological, hormonal letdown and also like spiritual disappointment. <laughs> so I'm like double whammy. I'm a little upset at God and a little upset at me. And so I walk out to the car and I call Josh, who's at home with our kids because he's out of work right now. And I say to him, <laughs> I want coffee. I want to buy coffee. I know we don't have any money, but I just feel awful. And I just know coffee will make me feel better. 
And he said, me too, get one for me. So, <laughs> so I uh, did the wrong thing. I used our money to go to Starbucks. And um, knowing that my husband, you know, just, okay. So I decide I can go to the one. I'm giving extra details because I'm a lady and I'm nervous. So, um, <laughs> so I thought I'd go to the one at Kirkland, the drive-thru. Huh? And then I pull off because it's right by Evergreen Hospital, and I pull down that side road, and I'm like, oh, no, there's one right here. You know the one? You just take a right instead of taking a left onto the freeway. Okay. So I pull up, and there's a guy begging on the corner. And I'm going to get coffee. And I'm not giving him my coffee money. Because he'll just spend it on bad stuff anyway. Then he starts going window to window. You guys. He gets to my window. I don't have central lock on our little car, so I'm like, oh, is it locked? Like, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I also don't have automatic windows, so I would have to, like, reach over and, like, do this, you know, to, like, talk to him. And, you know, the good news is, guys, my Jesus music was turned up just loud enough that I could barely hear him saying, help me, through my window. Jesus, change the light to green so I could go. I was praying for a miracle, a light miracle. He was really banged up, guys. Um, I've met a lot of um, homeless people and transient people just as we've been working with different ministries around the world. And man, when you look in their eyes and you see their real age, they look they look way older than they really are. And I looked into his eyes, and they were young, young eyes. And he was really beat up, uh, pronounced limp. Um, he was hurting. And I just really wanted coffee. And the light changed, and I drove off. Judging me yet? It gets better. Wait for it. So I drive, <laughs> drive to Starbucks. I park. I go in. We usually get a drip, because that's the cheapest kind. Um, but it just tastes better when someone else has made it for you. Have you ever noticed that? Um, but you know what I thought? I'm feeling kind of junky now because of everything I've done today. And so I am going to add soy for an extra 60 cents. And uh, <laughs> in my brain, I'm like racking it up to like a luxury coffee, you know? And so I order, and then the barista says to me, you are the recipient of a random act of kindness. Your coffees have been paid for. Well, that just makes me mad. <laughs> so the lady who's in ahead of me turns to me and she said, I paid for you because the guy in front of me paid for me. And then the barista says, it's actually a chain of six so far. And the guy that's over here by the um, milk stirry stand place, you know, says, um, I saw it on like today, oh, Good Morning America, one of the Today Show, Morning, Random Acts of Kindness. It's just so inspirational. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't pay for the next guy. You know why? Honestly, 
I hated those people. Here's why. I bet at least half of them had to drive past that guy to go get their coffee. But they got warm fuzzies because they bought each other coffee. We're so good. We bought each other coffee. Just makes us feel so good. We deserve coffee. And look, I paid for someone else's coffee. I'm so benevolent. So I'm telling this story to Kurt, and he's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I'm a judgmental, evil human. I get it. I just think Eastsiders buying other Eastsiders coffee is a joke. I just think it is. Sorry. I think rich people helping rich people is stupid. That's what I think. <laughs> and so Kurt said to me, you've got to pray through this, because you cannot preach on Sunday with that attitude. <laughs> so I prayed about it, and can I tell you, this is what I felt. First of all, I was really wrestling in that moment. There was a lot of peer pressure, and if you're forced into a random act of kindness, it's not random or kind. I'm just saying, if I had paid for that guy's coffee, it would have been out of guilt. So there we go. Guilt kept me out of an opportunity. Add another layer to my shell. Also, God gives to everyone. But apparently I don't think they deserve it. <laughs> apparently I think that if they can buy their own coffee, they don't deserve a blessing. Boo. I'm ugly, I told you, right? Do you hate me a little more now? Sorry, guys, it's rough, isn't it? But I also had like this little good thought in me. <laughs> I thought Josh will be really stoked that God provided a coffee for us when we couldn't afford it. And then a subsequent ugly thought. <laughs> God doesn't give a rip about coffee. He cares about real things. But coffee is not God's domain. Wow, I just told God that he cannot be in the blessing people through coffee business. I just told God that he's not allowed there. Apparently, I didn't want to give to the guy on the street because he would misuse it. And apparently, I didn't want to give to the guys who are not on the street because they have enough. So who am I going to give to? Apparently, no one. And my shell is keeping me out of those beautiful intersections because of my prejudice, because of my education and experience, because I know you shouldn't give to people who are going to miss you. Do you understand? Oh, I'm so complicated. How's your shell? You feeling a bit like a turtle in a shell? Man, Luke 6 has done a number on me. Can I tell you what I am going to... Oh, actually, let's do this first. <laughs> judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will be not... You will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. The measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's talk about the math. Because I would love, I mean, 
If you work downtown Seattle at all, from where you park to where you work, you're going to have to give to a lot of people that are begging. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of giving, right? And if you drive anywhere around on the east side, you'll be praying for no red lights because you will have to hand out, if you give to everyone, I mean, there's just not enough money to do that, right? You just feel like how it, it is more than I can handle fiscally. Can't do it. But what if before you left home, you looked in your pocket and you're like, whoa, $100, thanks God. I can give no problem today. God filled my pocket so I could give. That's not the math God used. You know what he says? Give then it will be given to you, right? Measure, and then it will be measured to you. Pour out, then it will be poured out to you. I love Dave Ramsey. Josh and I did FPU like five years ago or something, and it really has been phenomenal. Here's the one hiccup that I have with that process you're not supposed to give generously until you've gotten some other things worked out first. And it was a real nice justification for me, can I just tell you? Yeah. It really worked out well for me. <laughs> yeah. That's not God's economy. Now, that's not what Dave says. So his heart is right on. It, it, it's really biblically sound. But it just became a nice little layer for my turtle shell. <laughs> What if, um, what if people, panhandlers, what if every Christian window went down? What if, okay? So you're a panhandler and cars drive up and windows go down and stuff just gets thrown at you. What would that do to the world? Is that crazy? What if this? It's not always money, because you know it's not always meant to be money, because then you just have a new little standard operation, and then you don't need God at all, right? So what if every time there's a panhandler on the corner, and you drive up and you're praying, red light, Jesus, stop me right by him. Yeah, pole position. Stop thanking God for grocery parking spots. Start thanking him for pulling you right up next to that guy, right? Window goes down, you say, Lord, miracle. Miracle, I'm looking for it. What do you want me to give? Oh, you want me to look him in the eye and say, hi, I don't have anything for you today. But hi, what's your name? Next time, maybe, it's food. By the way, I've made food for homeless ministries, and I've watched them throw it in the trash. And that offends me. So I got lots of layers to work through. But <laughs> Sometimes it might be food. Sometimes it might be money. You know, there's a guy down here in the corner who is an amputee. I think he's a war vet who lost his leg. And so he always has his pants rolled up so you can see that he has um, a prosthetic, which is smart. I mean, you have a need. Show it, right? What if you pull up, you pray for him to be healed, and his leg grows back right on that corner? What about that? Because as long, <laughs> not because, as long as we stay away from the intersection, none of that will happen. Shame on us. Yeah. Ugh, that we would hide in our turtle shells. Okay. 
And a man lame from birth laid daily at the temple gate to ask alms of those entering. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Begging, right? Peter, I have no silver and gold. Actually, I I really want to do it in the old King James because that's how I learned it. Silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. Okay. Um, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping, he stood and began to walk. I think he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think he played ball that day. Don't you think? Man, Peter is my hero right now. He had all kinds of reasons to not do that. And he left them all behind. His shame, his failures all of his expectations. I wonder if he knew God was going to do something or if he just stepped into it. I don't know. That's crazy bold, isn't it? Wow. Guys, this world needs miracles, doesn't it? Man. Guess what? God has miracles. And for some crazy reason, he wants you to be a part of it. He wants me to be a part of it. Like I said, I think he's nuts. <laughs> but it's in those moments when we, we feel like death that we see a God that raises from the dead. And it's in that moment where we feel the desperation of a person in need that we discover the bigness of a God who fills our needs. Why would we want to stay away from that? That beautiful intersection. What's in your sphere right now that's bigger than you can handle? Do you have a family member that's just a little more than you can handle? <laughs> or a situation at work or in life or your marriage or, 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 or someone you know? Um, because you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, don't you? And so do they. They need it. I hope you can't drive past a panhandler ever again (laughs) without thinking of Peter. Man, God loves to give to the ungrateful and the evil. What a beautiful God. And he wants to give to your situation that you see. Throw off that turtle shell. Get on through that section. And just minister, okay? Just do it. Let's play, not watch, yeah? So, we're going to take up offering, and we're going to have communion together. And here's what I'd like to do. Would you just throw your heart into both of those? (laughs) Would you just strip off your turtle shell and give, and it will be given to you? And take up the body of Christ, take up the blood, and drink and eat, and become Jesus in the world. Does that sound good? Can we do that symbolically together? Did we survive? Are we still okay? I know I'm really ugly. I'll work on it. I'm ashamed of how I live. But God loves me. 
So if you're feeling like you can't walk forward in this, I want you to know that God is kind to the evil. (laughs) So as evil as you feel, you're not bad. You're not so bad that he can't use you. Okay? I think random acts of kindness are actually okay. You know what I think it shows? That humans were built to do miracles. We were designed to carry his power pour it out, and just bless people all the time. So when humans do random acts of kindness, you know what it is? It's a half step to knowing the Holy Spirit. And I shouldn't have judged those silly people. They were being beautiful. I probably should have paid for that guy's coffee. Or not, I don't know, but my shell was on so tightly that I just couldn't even consider hearing God. So, Father, I don't want to hide in that shell anymore. I'm afraid that that shell is covering my ears from hearing you and covering my eyes from seeing you. And Lord, random act of kindness, we want miracle acts of the king, (laughs) M-A-K, We want to be your touch point to this world. Lord, thank you for beautiful intersections. Show us today where you want us to step in. God, I just pray, give me the courage. Give us the courage to play, to get on the field, to take the risk, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that that you are not like the world. (laughs) Thank you that you love people who just don't deserve it.